Hey there, this is Dan Delta Collins. You're listening to Wandering DMs. Wandering DMs is broadcast live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time on twitch.tv slash wanderingdms and also youtube.com slash wanderingdms. And now, we hope you enjoy the show. Hi everyone, welcome to Wandering DMs. I'm Paul. And I'm Dan, and today on Wandering DMs, we have a very special guest, Mr. Jim Davis, who's the Wizard of Web DM, one of our favorite YouTube D&D channels, and he's also yeah. co-author of the Weird Wastelands Resource Guide, and he's going to join us here to chat, because he's probably the more of an expert, actually, <laughs> about the new One D&D Project by Wizards of the Coast. So, Jim, thanks so much for yes. joining us today on Sunday. It is absolutely my pleasure. Uh, I'm happy to be here, uh, Dan and Paul. It's, it's wonderful to be back. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. We've been, we've been looking forward to having Jim back. Before we get yeah. into it, uh, let me just remind everyone to please like, follow, and subscribe if you can. And uh, don't forget that right after the show, we'll be doing a live uh, after-party chat on our private Discord server, which you can join by visiting our Patreon at patreon.com slash wanderingdms. Check it out. Boom. Yeah. Thanks, Paul. Do it. <laughs> Definitely. So it's been kind of a, you know, so Jim, we were talking before the show about the big transition for all of us that we've had to yeah. uh, accelerate and decelerate in the last two years and make a lot of shifts in our lives. And uh, one thing I'll throw out to, to viewers is that it's it's been just exactly a year uh, this weekend since um, uh, since Pruitt. Your your partner in WebDM decided to take it. He had to take a hiatus. So how yeah. is how is that how's Web the WebDM project been the last year with 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 you carrying the torch? Yeah, I mean for me it has been a like a real <laughs> to be cliche but like real learning experience because I found like writing uh, weird wastelands and then keeping up with like weekly videos to be two creative cycles that were very much at odds. And so having to go like, all right, well, how can we adapt? What are different ways that we can still like put stuff out for our audience, people who are who are digging it, who like our stuff, uh, but that isn't going to be like draining <laughs> and, uh, and and like unsustainable ultimately for me. And I think like finding a good balance for that is still something that I'm working on. Um, but it's been a real change. And while we try to get through it and rope him in as much as possible, uh, you know, especially for our, uh, our Patreon podcast, like getting back to a kind of rhythm of Pruitt and I are in person talking about something that we love or passionate about, like getting, finding some way to, to, to bring that back, not so much as like recreate it, but create something new that's, that has that same energy. Uh, something that we would like, um, because like Pruitt's still behind the scenes, still here, still chatting, uh, just like not so much like part of the, uh, you know, what we're putting out there. And so when I, what I found was that when it's just me, I'm like a dog without a leash. <laughs> like I just, <laughs> like, it's like having someone else having a, you know, a dialogue, a conversation like sharpens and, and can focus a lot of of what I like the most about uh, what we put out as WebDM. Uh, not that I you know, don't love just hear myself yammer away. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think I think Dan and I kind of fall on the uh, opposite ends of that scale ourselves. I know every now and then one of us is sick or on vacation or something we have to fill in. And Dan is always yeah. gung ho to like, I'm just going to get on there by myself and uh, teach everyone about uh, probability mm. or whatever it is. And, yeah, yeah. And I'm that. like, uh, I'm just, like, just cancel, just cancel. I don't want to be on there alone. Just no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just the, by yourself, like in front of a webcam, just just talking away to no one in particular is a, its own kind of like has a weird feeling like i enjoy it but i definitely have a hard limit before i'm like all right i'm starting to feel crazy <laughs> i need to hear something back please <laughs> i think as a as a as a college uh a teacher i think I, I i have enough of a habit of just like yaggity 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 i once taught a um i once taught an evening course in the winter session that was a, a single four-hour block uh every night and so i walked in and one of the students said is it even physically possible for you to like talk for four hours at a time and one of the older students turned to them and said uh he's irish he could probably just go for 12 hours if he had to <laughs> right yeah yeah <laughs> If there wasn't a hard limit enforced by the university. <laughs> <laughs> right. Nice. But yeah, it's tough. yeah, I will say, you know, I get a lot of energy from uh, you viewer chat, right? So one, mm -hmm. one of the great benefits in the pandemic year or two has been, you know, getting online, getting a lot of energy from other people online that I can't physically see. And so that has been a great benefit here on wandering dms and i think I, I see the same thing on your recent live live casts on web dm actually yeah yeah i really like those it's it's one of those things where just like the the realities of making that work with our you know private life and everything especially as our kids gotten older and school situation changes and it's kind of like I, I would love to be able to sit down for like two or three hours and just have a real just a big q a those are my favorite ones of just i don't know what's going to come up i don't know who's going to ask what kind of question it's almost like dming we're just like we're just going to see what happens here uh you know <laughs> i'm going to see what uh, pops up and i you know so i, I enjoy that and i and i get that in my uh like my, my game that i'm running now that kind of like how reacting to to uh you know what you, you know, the unknown the spontaneity of it but uh, i really love it for the live chat it's really fun Never know what people yeah. are going to ask. <laughs> well, we love everything that you guys do at WebDM, and you know we've uh, adored the times that we've gotten to interact with you and play with Pruitt here. And we had Emma on for a chat once, and our uh, aide de camp Bacquius is putting links to that stuff in the chat right now, so folks can go back and see the the other awesome times that we've had the various yeah. people from WebDM on, which have been great. Yeah, yeah. Dan, I'm just going to put up this uh, this comment uh, from your from your our, our viewer uh, Disparal BB who who mentions also when Dan does solo <laughs> sessions playing video games he has plenty of backseat drivers. Uh, I don't know if you know Jim, but Dan's been working his way for the first time ever through the Gold Box Classic School of Radiance, uh, and it is it is something to see. <laughs> uh a lot of tpks a lot of tpks <laughs> Matt, is, this, is that like the first person where you're like going through kind of or is it the uh yeah yeah I yeah but it's also yeah. free mouse so everything yeah you know mm -hmm. keyboard menus and it's it's rough <laughs> It was not the best input scheme of a video game ever. <laughs> uh, my personal favorite was Dan accidentally casting a whole person on himself. That was delightful. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> that was two weeks back. And I, I, you just, yeah. you just see Dan just, just like, ah! <laughs> just get up That's great. <laughs> Oh, that really hurt. That was hard to get back on camera, actually, because I walked off camera in a rage. And it was actually like if it, if I'd been on my own, I probably would have been out in the street at like midnight screaming my head yeah. off. But I was like, I got to get back on camera. So I I wrangled it in. And I sat back down. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, knowing you're, knowing it's, this is recorded and it's going to be on uh, <laughs> online for all uh, as long as there's yeah, an Internet. It really keeps yeah. you straight. You know, after. Straight after every show, I have to fill out a survey at YouTube, right? About like what content of this video that you just posted. And I get to click a box for like the obscenity level. And so in my yeah. brain, I'm like, okay, normal Dan off screen is that last box. But I'm trying to, yeah. I'm trying to rein in one of the, yeah. <laughs> one of the other levels. <laughs> BG 13. Yep. There you go. There you go. <laughs> But I will say big thanks to Desperal, uh, who is probably lead assistant on the Pool of Radiance uh, plays. <laughs> and I would probably have more TPKs and monsters rejoicing if it wasn't for Desperal helping, helping me out there. <laughs> Look for that All tomorrow that. night. Look for more, more Pool of Radiance <laughs> to Monday night at 11 if you want to see more of that <laughs> fiasco. <laughs> <laughs> But so, uh, so, you know, last time we had you on, uh, Jim, you were talking about the, the magnum opus of WebDM, uh, the Weird Wastelands project that you and Emma and Pruitt and a bunch of other people were working on. And yes. um, so that's going to be like a huge tome. Is that is that out yet or how or where, where are you in that, that project? We, we are, you know, chest deep uh, in the middle of developmental uh, edits. These are the edits to, that does this make sense? Is this rule expressed? with clarity and concision. Uh, we, we handed a big, beautiful mess to our wonderful and amazing editor, uh, Misty Bourne over at Juicy. She's doing all kinds of amazing things to get it into a presentable uh, shape. It is easy to see why the three little brown books look and feel the way they do. <laughs> you know, like it's easy to produce something that's, that's about on that level. <laughs> You know, like in your head, it sounds great. And then it's on paper. You're like, what is, what is going on? Why is it so many words that keep coming out? Every time I touch this, there's just more words, not less. Uh, so Misty is doing uh, a great job getting it into shape, making sure it all sounds good, legible, understandable, because I'm really proud of what we wrote. We wrote something that I don't see a lot of in the 5e big hardcover, you know, color uh, supplement. Uh, line. It was just like really crunchy, a lot of options, uh, two chapters of DM support for, for running and uh, producing like interesting situations to run uh, in the wilderness. And, and then like the mechanical support to back up the various things that you might want to do or, or you know, get involved with. And, and then half the book is locations, eight locations uh, that have a variable level of, of like toolboxiness. So some of them are just straight up, this is a dungeon to use, and others are more, here's a toolkit to make your own dungeon kind of thing. But it, one of them's like a vehicle demolition derby where you can buy and repair and wreck your vehicles. <laughs> you know, uh, it, there's a, the tier four locations like, this is the gates of the afterlife where after the apocalypse, the gods just 
you know, closed the door and said, nope, not, not anymore. So what are you going to do with that? You could, you could change your campaign world. There's a, there's millions of dead souls just hanging out around here, nowhere else to go. Kind of, you know, so we, we've got a, a lot there that's, you know, we want to present to players and, and, and tables uh, so that they can use it as they see fit. Um, of course, with one D&D on the horizon, it's, one, it's a nail-biter uh, because it's like, how much backwards compatibility is there really? Mm -hmm. From the two playtest documents, uh, I, I couldn't say. Um, so like our player section obviously would have a, a lot of changes that we'd need if we were ever you know, going to update it or something, which is so far we're, you know, how would we know yet? Uh, it's not 2024. Um, but then the rest of it is like, yeah, this could be useful just about any game. Like it's not necessarily um, edition specific, except in the numbers, you know, DCs and things like that stuff that's easy to change. Um, but I'm rambling. I can tell because I don't, I'm not sure that I've answered your question. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know. I, I think it's a pretty uh, good job. I'll say um, yeah. on the point of uh, compatibility, like I actually, co coincidentally, the other day I saw Luke Gygax had a project that he was just starting for a, a fifth edition project and he actually decided to table the whole thing yeah. I, I, th I believe yeah. until the next the next official release was made to give that kind of confidence but but you're way further into this project oh, yeah. Than, yeah. than luke was so yeah people will be able to play it while fifth edition's out like it's it's one of those things where like having been through three or four edition changes now mm -hmm. as like a DD fan and regular DD player you're just kind of like all right they, they say all kinds of crazy things when there's a new edition <laughs> on you know and at the last minute they add a bunch of stuff that they don't run it by anybody and um and so to me it's like currently we have the most popular version of dungeons and dragons ever made still breaking in all kinds of new players. I have players at my own table who the player's handbook is more than enough. That, that's more than they could handle, honestly. Uh, that there, it is a, it's a big weighty tome for them. So talking about play tests and all other kinds of stuff is, you know, we don't really, we deal with that. You know, they're, these are brand new players coming in and this version of D&D as it's in print <coughs> since 2014 is like their, their D&D that they're playing. So it's easy to like get, caught up in what's going to happen in the future, but that's like a year and change away. Uh, and, and the game as it exists now is very popular, very playable, very fun. Uh, and so I, I try not to lose sight of that, uh, especially because we wrote a bunch of big crunchy mechanics for it. We're just like, here's a whole pillar. Have at it. <laughs> like with, with turns and everything. Um, and so we want people to be able to enjoy that, enjoy that for their games and have it also be... Uh, intelligible enough that whatever comes next, they can use it for that too. Uh, I'm confident there'll still be ability checks and saving throws and things like that, whatever they make. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Where, now I know tackles, that when, when you, you know? had Weird Wastelands on Kickstarter that was funded in like about 15 minutes flat, can people yeah, yeah. get in on that now? Can they make pre-orders for the, for the book that's mm -hmm. about to come out? Yeah, yeah. We have the backer kit uh, is still open, I believe, and we'll be... I mean, I, this is this is one of those things we have a project manager and others for the, for the details for it. I want to say it's going to be open right up until we're ready to send out the PDFs and the like. So I think there's like a month window between back orders close and the actual products will go out. 
and that should be sometime after the new year, hopefully by February or so. So back orders are open now. Get that through our aggregate. Um, and I'll, maybe I may or may not have a link. This is how professional and prepared I am. <laughs> I I bet probably one of our viewers can find it pretty quickly. I bet I, I bet if I ask my the, our our viewers to help us out, I bet it'll show up in our chat pretty soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it won't be. And it, they'll be. It's you know it'll be through November or December or so. But so I'm not sure for how much longer after that. Um, but yeah, it's open uh, back. And all as far as I know, all of it is like uh, still pre-order uh, the whole shebang. Like the work. There's a workbook. Uh, DM screen, quest deck. Um, the workbook was a, an attempt to reconcile the many different functions that an RPG book has to fulfill. Uh, so there's a lot of different things uh, you can get with the Weird Wastelands. Can they still get the custom dice? Because th those were those were gorgeous. Yeah, they really were. I'm not sure. Some of it was uh, backer uh, exclusive. And, and Good. I don't have that information readily accessible in my memory. <laughs> Good. People got People. People should have jumped on it when they had the chance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, what, what can I, I tell you? Know? It. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It seems like so long ago, pre uh, supply chain uh, concerns and all that other stuff. <laughs> we had we had Matt Finch on uh, last uh, week, and he's coming mm -hmm. out with his new uh, Tome of Adventure design. And of course, yes, Bacchus uh, came through with the uh, with the link. Uh, so thank, thank you, you. Bakrius. It's on uh, weird weird dash wastelands dot com slash hosted underscore pre-orders. So we have on screen thank right now. So Bakrius, thank you for thank you for succeeding. I I knew we could do that. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Matt Finch was talking about you know the pu publication issues and you know supply chain issues and issues of like make sure that people got the pre-orders get it hopefully before you know new customers because people really don't like the other direction so that's that's yes. a big complicated story that kind of really opened my mind last week yeah it's one of those things where you know we knew even when we launched like there were just going to be things we had no idea would come up because of you know when it was and what was going on in the world and this is just one of those things and i i think for myself like i back so many kickstarter projects that and a lot of them are like i can't wait for this one and others of them i'm just like oh yeah i kind of forgot about that and all of them almost all <laughs> late delays you know it's, it's when it's on time or early it's like a fun surprise like wow like seeing everything that has to go in to make one of these things it's no surprise that there's that it takes as long as it does and it's only the operations that are like yeah we've done a lot of these we have a system and a process and we're just going to churn them out so yeah we made that's a definitely big something i i i keep in mind i think anytime i back a kickstarter is is i i try to like just shove it into the back of my head or, or out of my head completely and just say like this is a future present it's down the yes. road going to show yeah. up at my door and I'll be like, oh, yeah, sweet. Thanks, yeah. past Paul. I don't want you have, yeah, what exactly. <laughs> Love past me. What a great present. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want this to exist in the world. When I get it is irrelevant. If that I get it at some point is, is will be, you know, is acceptable. Um, but it's not like going to your game store and buying a book that you're going to use next week. Uh, that's how I see it. Awesome. As much well, as I want it in people's hands, like as a creator, I just I want to be able to just just take it, yeah. but it would be a disaster. <laughs> like you don't want what we got yet; it's not done. <laughs> yeah. So totally. 
So let's talk about so this issue, this overarching <laughs> issue of 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 one D and D on the horizon, and you know how it's going to affect all you know all of us who are you know trying to put you know interesting work out at the moment. Now, like my my take is that like what I've seen from uh, uh, Perkins and Crawford, everybody is that they seem very aware of exactly this issue that you said, Jim, of they have a really successful line going and one that's seen explosive growth in the last couple of years. And they seem pretty sensitive to not wanting to overturn the apple cart. Um, let me, let me just throw up an interesting uh, real point. head scratchers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so this is a comment from Alex Shortall in the comments saying that this seems like an addition that seems closely related to the one that came before it. And he's saying, you know, the first edition to second edition transition was not a whole lot of huge changes really. And he's saying yeah. that the fifth edition to these drafts that they've got coming out as one D&D also seem like fairly, fairly limited yeah. number of changes, even if some of them are quizzical. You agree with that? Yeah, yeah. Like, I wasn't around for the 1E to 2E. Like, I came in post player's option books. That's that's when I entered D&D. But I, my first two, second edition game I ran, I ran against the Giants because I had that 25th anniversary box set i was like keep on the borderlands all the others i didn't even know it was a different edition like i was like man this looks weird it reads weird i'm like sure it's short <laughs> you know um but i just ran it i was like keep on the borderlands we'll jump right into something else maybe ravenloft i think was in there and then we did against the giants and had a great time to like tpk them um but it, like it was it was clearly different like i i had, I had some players in my group that had played first edition were able to explain it to me eventually because i was like what is this you know but i didn't have to do a lot of conversions or just open the books at random and like i hope that that's what they're going for but then there's so many changes that are like I mean, if you if you'd made a bard you'd be a completely different kind of character like if you were using both playtest packets in terms of your uh, your character race and then your class would be just like to be diff completely different um or a ranger or something like that um, so I'm curious, like, what do we, what do they mean by backwards compatibility? Uh, that's, that's the big question I have. Interesting. What, what, what do you, I mean, so I saw the, the, our last chat when they came out with the, um, the expert rules document, which yep. covers rogues and rangers and bards. I all, I think you and I, Jim, both, uh, got, got triggered by how enormous uh, the yes. changes are to the ranger. And I saw yeah. you talking about that last time. So what kinds of things, let's see if we're, we're talking about the same kinds of things, like what kinds of things pinged you about big changes of the Ranger? I mean, the biggest one is that there is no mechanical interaction with anything related to traversing, navigating or surviving the wilderness. And it's it, the, one of the things that, that gets to me about 5e is that 5e has within it in printed in the three core rules, rule books like this uh, a full-on you know procedure for running a, a day of travel in, in the wilderness but it's not called out explicitly it's separated in the different books uh, you have to go hunting for it and piece those rules together and the like and the ranger fits in neatly with this and that the natural explorer section that a lot of people give sort of like brush off is like oh, it's either like makes the game too easy or you know it's too campaign dependent to me, I found to be very useful in play uh, and, and works when you're sort of using the rest of the, the rules that are there um, and not just hand-waving anytime you're not like you know, in town or in a dungeon. 
Um, and like the, the one D and D ranger in, in the expert classes, I just don't see any of that. Um, and not just that, but then there's other confusing things like replacing multiple attacks with a spell, uh, <laughs> like making yes. them full on spellcasters from level <laughs> one antrops. And like, mm -hmm. it, there's a logic to it. I can see where you're like, all right, a, a ranger could be thought of as a fighter druid, I guess. But to me, that's one type of ranger, not not like a. You could make it a subclass that that leans heavily, more heavily into their spell casting. And there's certainly five E rangers now that are very magical, like incredibly magical. Like everything they're doing is all is magical. You know, to have something like the hunter. Just be like, well, you're always got this one spell up, and it's better for you when you cast it. And you know, mm. I don't know, just it feels like they don't know what this class is supposed to be about, and it's because this other aspect of the game has been removed. And and I, I think there's also I don't think it's as uh, a big of an issue with Bard um, as it is with Ranger, but like. With Bard, it's they're like, what? How are they different than a wizard? <laughs> like, I mean, they just they're preparing their spells every day. They can change their spells. Preparing. Uh, I know they have a more limited selection, but it really does like, and it just it feels like a a, um, a, a like struggling to find an identity for for classes that parts of the game that used to be there that aren't anymore or de-emphasized. Like, well, that's why you had a ranger because it's a it's a real slog to hex crawl. Like you're, like you know, it's just you get lost. You, you bring enough food. Like having a class that's like, I got this, right? I wouldn't want to go into combat without a bunch of fighters, you know. And and every time I play D and D without a bunch of fighters, it shows. It's like, man, we really get our asses kicked, <laughs> you know. Too many of our hit points going down. And it's you know and. And I, I'm just going to get weird and, and philosophical for a minute because this, this is where my thoughts take me. But it's like the classes, to me, as I see it, over the editions of D&D have functioned as a complete unit that the party is composed of its individual parts is this thing <laughs> in mechanically, right? Like cleric patches us up and deals with undead and sort of like reverses or protects against this, the more harmful negating uh, you know, magical curses and, and diseases and poisons and the like that you can run into out there. Uh, you know, the, the wizard has a grab bag of tricks. They can decipher strange runes. They want every now and then they can just end an encounter, right? Like they can just drop a fireball when, when the conditions are right and it's not going to blow back on us. Um, but most of the time they're there is like a supplemental that they can do little things, but your frontline fighters and ranged attackers and the like are going to carry you through the big fights. And without any one of these units, the game really can struggle. It's when all of them are working together as a team that the game really shines. And to me, it was like that for you know, up through third edition. Um, but that really, it started to feel like, especially with fifth, it's that each class just can stand alone and that any one combination of classes is, you know, is going to be fine. You know, there's healing is spread around to a lot of different um, mm -hmm. classes and character archetypes. The same as sort of tanking ability and and magical firepower, and I get why that that makes for a game that is very freewheeling and people can play whatever they want to play and not have to worry too much about it. But it also, like, as a side effect 
of robbing a lot of the classes of their core identity and purpose. And I see like, why do you need so many? You really just need like three now. And then just a bunch of subclasses. Uh, so, uh, but you know, the legacy and whatever, I guess. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think, I, yeah. I think one the expert subclasses or expert classes document, that's what's going on, at least with the Rangers. I see it. Um, yeah. Sorry. I'm looking, at a, a, I'm looking at no, it's what I'm, I'm looking at a, um, a chat a chat comment from david heron here that's saying um similar to what you're saying jim when D, &D made all pcs are equal a pillar they inherited a lot of design problems but now like you're saying jim the the, the number of classes looks a little bit extraneous at this point because yeah. everybody has all these abilities all of a sudden yeah i mean i, I take something like wizard where you know what <laughs> I, re I remember like a, a, a time of playing D&D &D where we would sit around the table and try to justify why would you ever be allowed to become a wizard after first level, right? Like this was supposed to represent your character's lifelong study up until that point. Like the random age tables suggested your character mm -hmm. could be decades older than the other characters, you know, because they've been, they've spent, you know, that 40 years in a reclusive wizard's tower before being kicked out the door with the spellbook and being told to find the rest of them like we all did what are you gonna do just give it to him here's one of my cats <laughs> hunt me actively there's um oh thank you brian so um they're also all named after deep space nine characters so <laughs> so like the the wizard you know to me used to be this thing that was partial training partial who your character was and then we separated that out in sorcerer and wizard. Now there's these two things that used to be one concept, now separate. And now we've also separated out the, I get my spells from an extra planar entity because it's like cheating, you know, like, why wouldn't I learn mm. fireball or devil or something like that? We're going to find it in a dungeon. Crazy. Like that's a whole class now that does that as opposed to just a wizard that finds their spells, some alternative. Means. And to me, I feel like as cool as those classes are mechanically and conceptually, obviously separating them out into separate classes, like has taken away something and diluted this. And I, I just, I can see it in a lot of other places. Uh, um, I don't know. I don't know if there's a, there's no reverse. I don't think there's any going back to it, but uh, I don't know. Yeah. That's uh, my undis undifferentiated and nebulous thoughts on the subject. It, it kind of reminds that. me of, um, you know, Dan and I both went through a, a, a period of running the uh, the old uh, A series, uh, the Against the Slaver modules, um, oh. and and you know we we like to often play with uh, original D and D, which has almost no, uh, you know, you got three four classes maybe, yeah. that's it. And the um, the modules were printed as a tournament module with scoring and whatnot. It came with pre made characters. And one of the problems that we both had, I think I was running it in BX and Dan was running it in OD&D. And one mm -hmm. of the problems we have had is one of the, you know, one of the existing pre-made characters is Fanster and the Illusionist. And we're like, there's no Illusionist in the versions of the games we're running. How yeah. do we deal with that? And the funny thing is, uh, the solution I came up with, which I then passed on to Dan, and I think you did the same thing, Dan, was just name the character Fanster and the Illusionist and give him the right <laughs> selection of spells. And it works. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. There's a simplicity to just the magic user. I get a certain yeah. number of these powers a day. Like it all comes down to the spells in that sense, but 
mm-hmm. how you grant access to those spells, how you thematically customize them. And like, I can, you can kind of see maybe what they're doing with the spell lists in one D and D is a bit like mm-hmm. that of like simplifying the spell lists and then saying, okay, well, there's this master list of arcane spells and then the different arcane classes kind of get different access to that. But I don't know. I'm not sure. There's something about even that method. Mm-hmm. Here he is. He's back. Uh, that, um, <laughs> It's, it's sort of it's confusing it's and uh, overcomplicated. Yeah, he's trying to get my attention and knock over everything on the, game, on the desk. But, uh, it's that time of day. It's, that... <laughs> it's, no, so, it's yeah. not really a wandering DM show if cats don't show up at some point. Right, right. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you for checking that box for us. <laughs> yeah, no problem. That bingo uh, card. When I, when I, uh, for, I mean, as a little side, when I run my, uh, my war game show, and we'll have another episode this Thursday night, actually, uh, inevitably, my cat Yowie is on the table when we start, right? I, I, he, he, and that's up to him, but he gets on the table, he checks out that all the miniatures in the right place, he doesn't knock any over. And once he's, yep. once he's satisfied that everything's properly set up, he takes off at the start. So that's <laughs> happened at least several weeks in a row at this point. <laughs> Dan, you got to get, get, get him a little referee card. Oh, that's, yes. <laughs> but I've had viewers ask, like, is that a piece in the game and how much does he cost is what I've, I've right, done a couple yeah, yeah. times. <laughs> What's he count <laughs> as? <laughs> yeah, somewhere around here. But yeah, there's, uh, there's a lot of cat, cat. We have four cats, and they're all, like, one, one set. Uh, two of them are, like, a year, year and change. And then these guys are like six months, seven months, maybe a little bit older. Um, That's a good and like age. I said, they are—they will actively hunt. They hunt me. They—they're trying to take me out. So <laughs> good, good for them. That's an ambition. If they could only coordinate, they might—they uh, might succeed. <laughs> You know, one thing in in the the last you know in the the last one D and D drop with the with the expert classes, which is their first package of like here's what we're doing with classes, is yeah. the fact they've rolled out this official uh, categorization of this enormous number of classes, right? They're calling class groups of hey, right. we've decided to categorize the classes in four groups, and they are <laughs> expert and mage and priest and warrior, and uh, you know which which those of us from earlier editions are very, very familiar with because those were sure. almost precisely the original four classes. And those pri- those primary class categories were consistent through original and first edition and second edition. And the, the names, actually the names of those classes, half of them are right out of second edition, actually. Um, yeah. And I, yeah. did that strike you as like an obvious move or like to me, I was mostly surprised that they never, that they've scrupulously avoided saying, we're bringing back an idea that was really solid from a prior edition. Yeah, yeah. It, I, it looked that way to me. Like, that was sort of my first, I was like, oh, those are the second edition, like, class groupings that to, when I was, remember, you know, playing, I was like, how are they, I guess they all share the same hit die or something, and I don't even remember anymore, honestly. Um, but yeah, it looked like it was a, a, a either taking inspiration from or a nod to uh, those old class groupings. And, Honestly, like to me, those are the those these are the four basic archetypes of fantasy that are in every Larry Elmore painting. You know, like it's they are. <laughs> you know, it's like the, everything else is just a, a variation or or a theme. Even 
Um, maybe not so much all the ones in Expert. Like, I, I think there was a lot of, like, Wire Rangers in there, Wire Paladins and Priests, and aren't they Warrior subclasses? But you know, mm -hmm. they've always been hybrids. They've always been, like, a, an attempt to kind of merge two separate uh, archetypes. Paladin's the head scratcher, I guess, because of the way clerics are kind of uh, already it. sort of uh, paladins, <laughs> you know. But uh, I think the one that caught my eye the most was putting monks under warriors, because I was like, you know what? That just makes so much sense with the way monk has gone yeah. these days. Yeah, yeah, where, yeah. Where else would they go? And I, to me, it it makes real good sense. What I what leaves me scratching my head is like, okay, <clears throat> experts have an obvious unifying mechanic in expertise and then i can kind of see where they might do that with priests like clerics and paladins already have channel divinity you could easily see them making wild shape into a channel divinity feature for druids but i'm left really scratching my head with what they're going to do with mages and warriors that's unifying because in 5e at least mm -hmm. what defines a warrior or a fighter is they get their fighting style earlier it, it, it's right there it's, it's sort of they got a bunch of feats to support that fighting style. Neither barbarian or monk in fighting style. They're not defined by their weapons and how skilled they are at using them. Even though they're clearly warriors, like they're clearly you know in that category. So I'm just kind of curious how they're gonna how they're gonna do it because if they are gonna make a class grouping, I want it to mean something. I want it to be like uh, you know something other than just like yeah these have the shared shared themes. <laughs> Yeah, I thought I thought I remember reading in the in the PDF that they were um, not going to have any specific rules tied to the groupings, but rather other rules may refer to the group, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, similar to like uh, monster tags. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, That's interesting. Are you Jim? Are so, you like, are you um, are you playtesting any of these rules? Are you actually trying to to muck with sixth uh, edition or or one D and D? Are you are you waiting for the book? I, I'm waiting for the book. It, it's only because when when you watch the the videos for them, like the where their head seems to be at on this, where they're like, yeah, we've already got like all the core stuff down, and and this is all the wild stuff that we're experimenting with, and that's why you'll see things. It's like we're no more monsters critting, no more spell crits, it, you know, automatic success on a twenty kind of thing. And to me, it's like, why would you? I, I'm really just confused with it because it's like. It's it's uh <laughs> it, it's like you kind of go digging through both the PDF and the video to figure out what's going on, what's happening. All of my players that uh, I currently play with, like half of them, have no idea this is going on. Like they just bought a player's handbook, trying to tell them that yeah. there's a new version coming out. They're just it's overwhelming to them. They they have trouble remembering to add their proficiency bonus to their attack rolls. Like that's mm -hmm. the yeah. that's where we're at. And then others who are have you know very strong opinions about the playtest documents they're like no way i will not you know remake my character uh with this so i haven't had a chance to play test them um yeah. you know read them in depth and sort of see what the try to read the tea leaves on <laughs> on where uh the game's headed but uh at, at the you know, moment i'm not sure that i would necessarily want to to play test them i don't see a lot that like i'm chomping at the bit um to yeah. see, you know, to, to, to test out, um, even if there is interesting stuff in them that I do like. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's interesting to note just how experimental it is and how much this is them kind of just throwing, throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks, because yeah. I think Dan and I both kind of noticed that there's some comments in there in the PDF about how, um, 
was it, is it the rules section, Dan? There's some section that says this is a complete replacement of the previous mm-hmm. rule yeah. section. And the idea being that like, if a rule doesn't appear in here and it did appear in the previous one, that's because it's been struck and it's gone now. Yeah. Right? And so yeah, you definitely like, get that feeling that they're just like experimenting, right? They're experimenting. Experimenting, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it could be that that's, that, you know, they're trying to see where the boundaries of the new player base are, what they will and mm-hmm. won't okay. accept. You know, so much about 5e is it was an appeal to older players, like bring them back in and and like reunify this fractured player base. You could see it with like how heavily they leaned into classic archetypes in terms of like, yeah, it's really going to be an elf, ranger, or wizard. Those are your, you know, you're better served by one of those. Uh, whereas all the new players who were fifth edition is their only real experience with 5e. You know, for them, those classic archetypes are less meaningful, less important. The, the fact that there's like, well, well, if I make a halfling wizard, I'm behind. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm mechanically worse uh, than if I'd made a different kind. I mean, that feels unfair uh, to you know, to their uh, their character concept. And I think they're probably trying to gauge where that group of players is in their tastes, in their preferences, what they'd like from the game. Um, it's as as a player is sort of like doesn't necessarily you know, this isn't my preference this is not my you know my preferred flavor of D anD D it's not like the repulsive flavors it's like oh, I don't like I'm never gonna play it um, it's one of those where it's like I you know, this is exactly where I would like to see the game going but it's interesting and I don't think it's like terrible or gonna make the game worse or anything but it does sort of like leave me questioning like what kind of gameplay. Uh, are the rules supporting here? Um, yeah, that, been, I don't know that I have an answer for that yet. We'll see in 2024. It's hard to say at this point. I agree with that. And yeah. I've been struck. I mean, they've only had two drops at this point, but I've been struck by how hard they're, like Paul alluded to, how hard they're zigzagging on yeah. alterations to the rules in that last section. And it's almost like, Paul, it's almost like they they wish they could be doing A-B testing. It's almost like we're getting random scatter shots of different rules monthly right. to see what possibly sticks. And I don't know if you had so one thing that like the first one came out and it turned out that just like you were saying, Jim, it was so hard for me to read the the very curt uh, rules edits that I that I failed to detect what was being changed until somebody pointed out. And at least in the first month, they had an edit to critical hits such that yeah. only player characters could score critical hits and nobody else could. They've retracted that in month two. I don't know what your your reaction was to the possibility of having only PCs ever critical hit. I ambivalence. Uh, I, <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> I, I found myself very ambivalent. I, was, I had a much stronger reaction to just auto success on a 20. Uh, and then I okay. calmed down and was like, I don't know, it's, it's even that big of a deal. Um, but yeah, it, <clears throat> what really surprised me was just, it's like, what, what, what problem is this fixing? Like, I have a house rule where every round of combat, the crit range increases. Like, we start at 20, second round of combat, it's 19 through 20. Then it's 18. Like, I just, I want this to get done with. I, I'm, I, I do not, I'm chewing through hit points is not fun D&D. And so I have that increased crit range so that the longer combat goes on, the more likely it is we get big hits. The lower hit point totals will be, those big hits will matter, that kind of thing. And it's worked well so far in kind of keeping a good pace. 
I, I run a two hour game of five E, so we got to get through uh, <laughs> uh, the combats pretty quickly, um, and that's that's one of the my house rules for uh, for that. The other is to just uh, have a crit that's like, yeah, one of your dies dies is just maximized, like whatever your basic attack would be, that's maximum. Then you roll all your bonus dice so that uh, you at least have a crit that it feels satisfying. Um, <clears throat> I was leaning the opposite direction in crits. Like more of them hit harder, spikier damage, okay. that kind of thing. Um, so I was like, what, 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 what is this designed to solve? And so I think maybe uh, it's maybe not less about solving something and more testing the waters, I think. Um, and they couldn't have had time to process all the feedback they got in order to put together a new PDF. So I think they must be putting together PDFs that are all over the place and then don't necessarily reflect each other month to month, right? Like, I think Perkins think explicitly about. said that, right? When they had a video for the second drop, he actually explicitly said, we got we got 40,000 pieces of feedback and we're still going through it. We haven't processed it yet, but yet nonetheless, here's the second document. So you're totally right. right. Yeah, so they have to be disconnected and superseded um, from each other. But I've, what I found is that after the second one, I read them from the bottom up. And to start at the top yeah. is just confusing myself. And I just read them from the rules glossary and then upwards. And that's because there's things in there that were like, wait, we're making checks for jumps now? <laughs> like, uh, you know, I know that there's a lot of DMs who are like, yeah, I, they want to call for a strength check for a jump. But as a player, I like that in 5e, I just have a, a set amount that my character can jump based on the strength score. And then if I want more, want to do something fancy, we can roll. But it's just a very clean way of, uh, for me, uh, of handling it. Um, mm. So yeah, it, uh, <laughs> back when that one confused me, and I was like, I'm reading the rules glossary first on the next one. <laughs> I like that a lot. And I would, as a little aside, I will point out that's the same way that I read terms of service now. If some company's yeah. going to put some crappy clause, they're going to stick it at the bottom of the terms of service. So I actually do read from the bottom <laughs> up to go, okay, well, this isn't too bad. So probably the rest of it's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nobody's going to make it this far. We can put in whatever we want. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's totally it. Yeah, that is interesting. I think, I like, I think I'm gonna, like, gonna note to myself to the when the third PDF comes out, I'm gonna try and read it the Jim Davis way. Yeah, yeah. Let's give it a shot. Maybe, yeah. maybe it'll make it more intelligible. I won't. There won't be so many minutes of like, what is going on, and then I'm just all worked <laughs> up by the time I get through it. <laughs> like, oh, I'm not gonna think anything's good in that state of mind. Um, I think the, like, uh, the second PDF just... got me with their with their epic boons. I was like, there was mention of epic boon. I'm like, what is it? What? What's an epic boon? What are we yeah. talking about? What's an epic boon? And I, I, I only know it because it's like it's buried deep in the DMG, and they're they're like little things that you can give out, but it's supposed to be at twentieth level. But they're all over the place. Some of them aren't even worth a first level feat. Others of them are like, yeah, I would always take this if this was offered, kind mm -hmm. of thing. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But it's 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 I don't know. It's I think it's their answer to like, yeah, we we're thrown in the towel on twentieth level D and D. Like, <laughs> we, we're putting the levels in because of legacy, but like. They lowered all the the capstones to 18th level, so I guess you, know, you have a few levels to enjoy what you might get. And then it's like, mm -hmm. eh, just one of these other feats from a part of the DMG nobody was using anyway um, <laughs> that, don't, that aren't necessarily balanced. Or I don't know. There was a lot about them that I I found uh, questionable, but also like this could this could be really cool. Like this, if this was just tweaked or changed or, or made like worth the choice, um, 
the stuff I did like was things like changes to exhaustion, um, making it less of a, a steep spiral and more of just a persistent, there's just a drag on everything you do uh, kind of thing. Uh, I, I liked that change. One of the things we ran into with Weird Wastelands is we wanted to expand exhaustion. We wanted to like add a couple more levels and make it less steep uh, of a death spiral. And just in the initial feedback and, and sort of uh, like a developmental playtesting that we were doing, it's just like just confusing, like to to uh, to make too many changes to it um, because we wanted we had like we have like class options that are you know you would want exhaustion levels like we have a cleric that can uh, you know can ignore a certain number of them and transfer them and give them to others or take them away from others and spells that deal with exhaustion levels so seeing something that's like that would make those parts of what we wrote more accessible and, and more uh you know approachable from a you know like yeah you would actually play with this because you're not risking you know accidentally getting your character killed or rendered unplayable so quickly uh was good to see and that was especially uh especially encouraging and because it's like you can really build an, a wilderness pillar uh, an exploration pillar off of uh, a solid exhaustion fatigue system to be the yeah, hit points great. for that, as it were. Now I'm and that ties not right back in. Again. But I, but but that's a topic that I love, Jim, because it ties directly back into you know the old outdoor survival uh, board game uh, by Avalon Hill, which you know was a required piece of product yes. to play original D and D with. And a lot of the time, I look at it like I have it on my shelf, and I look at it, boy, I really wish that I had similar mechanics in my D and D game for for specifically for outdoor stuff. So I yeah. feel that it's a fun much. game. I really like playing it uh, and have played it in its, in its use in ODD of like when we, when the board comes out, when the, you know, when the outdoor survival board mm -hmm. comes out, we're playing that at, you know, just we make up our character as a whole separate character sheet. Um, it was fun and, and very, uh, you know, produced engaging and thrilling situations that we had to make important decisions about, which is the whole reason you put any of this stuff in the game anyway. Yeah, we we and we we play that. Paul and I play uh, play that ourselves with original D and D, and we've had a really good time with us and our friends. So it's a it's a good it's a, a really good little 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 good yeah. way to play the game. Yeah, I mean, you I, can I, tell it's it. important to us by the fact that it is the background of our channel here. The, yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we like yes. it a lot. <laughs> yeah, I recognize the head that got stung by the <laughs> You know, Jim, I should let me ask this. You know, uh, one thing that I feel is a, a to me is a fairly big change in one D and D. Uh, we we touched on epic epic boons, which are a type of feat, but just the whole uh, the whole way that feats that that in fifth edition are technically optional are now in one D and D clearly a core required integral part of the game. Um, yeah. And I feel that you know I've always I felt that feats when they came out in third edition was a pretty good mechanic for wrapping up a bunch of options, frankly. How do you feel about that in 1D? Have you, have you played with, do you normally play with feats and this won't really be a change for you or is it a big change? Feats are one of those things as a player facing option that, that when I'm a DM, I, I'm comfortable going, whatever you guys want. Like if, if a player, you know, if the group decides, you know, that, that we're playing with them, then we'll play with them. There, there's a handful of, of, rules that i leave up to with the players because they really just affect the players and those are things like ability score generation um feats the like multi-classing i can always adjust my on the dm side the extra power level and the like with them 
So I, I like feats in principle, and I like what they're doing with them in 1D&D. The things that I see with feats are like, sometimes you just have one that's too good. That if you have the option to take it and it's relevant to what you're doing, you'd be a fool not to. So to me, this would be like sharpshooter, great weapon master. And on the DM side of things, them just being like a flat damage bonus, they're going to chew through the monsters even faster uh, than, than you'd like. I like what, how they've fixed those. Um, in general, I like how they've seemed to readjust feats, how they present them, the way that they're gated by level. But there are still some questions I have. Like, I'm not sure that the fighting styles are worth a whole feat. You know, like, you, if, I were, if I were to play one of these rangers, I'd never go back and pick one of these as my fourth level feat or eighth level feat or something. I, you know, because looking at fourth level feats, I'm getting a plus one to one of my abilities and a bunch of other stuff. So it's what they're doing is like they're clearly recognized that some feats were better than others and are like attaching a level to those. But now I'm wanting like within those levels, let's make sure that they're all working and like it. So it's really one of the things that I about one D and D so far that I really do like because I find players want feats. They really can never have enough of them. <laughs> uh, it seems <clears throat> having them actually be worthwhile to pick so that when you're making that choice, you don't feel like you're picking something that's going to be useless or, you know, or have to argue with your DM like, Hey, can I take something else instead? I've never used this. This has never come up. Um, you know, reducing choice paralysis by having certain level bands for them i'm really liking it i, I i'm i think it's fun uh, i think it's it's maybe my favorite expression of them from like an official wizards of the coast uh, system for feats that i've seen so yeah great it's one of the things great. that super cool about them. other than the epic i mean it's a mechanic but that's because yeah i mean we're bad before I, they became feats we all <laughs> we all hear that <laughs> <laughs> you know, I will point out this morning I was making some notes, right? And I was typing and I was trying to type epic boons and I was one key press off and I wrote something very embarrassing in my notes actually. So <laughs> maybe they should maybe they should rename it because I real because I just discovered it's exactly one character off if you look at your keyboard uh from from something very embarrassing you might possibly uh -huh. post on the socials. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> Everybody looks at their keyboard. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Yes. Uh, we are just about out of time here, so I just want to ask um, uh, Jim. I just want to circle back and say, ask: Is there is there anything that uh, that we haven't covered about what's going on with WebDM or One D and D or any any thoughts you want to make sure you get out? out there before we have to wrap up um gosh yeah so i mean for one dd I, I think like i would say like if it's your first edition change just it's think of it like uh being in a wave pool, right just the more you're able to like just take it all in stride and and realize that your home game is can it can be its own little bobber on this you know ever churning sea uh, because you, who knows what's going to come out in 2024? You may crack open the books and be like, this isn't Dungeons and Dragons. Like that has happened to me at least once where I was super excited. This is awesome. Last time we had an edition change, we got something really cool. And then like open up the book and going, what in the world is this? And so like understanding that what, what goes on in the wider world of D and D is it's, is one thing. 
what happens at your own table and the like, uh, that is uh, its, its own other thing. And to, honestly, it's what keeps me staying in the hobby uh, is that it really, does, it really doesn't matter what goes on outside of uh, your game table. Uh, so I don't know, that's just sort of, I guess, my piece of advice for, uh, for one D&D because what I found is that when a new one drops, there's all sorts of like gnashing of teeth and, oh, scolding of having you know, bad, bad feelings or bad reactions to it. It's like they're making things that are designed to provoke strong reactions. They want to see what those reactions are, you know, like it's okay. Um, but yeah, as for WebDM, we've still got, uh, you know, we're doing our weekly live streams where I'm kind of going through these documents, giving my take on the classes and 5e as it stands now. Um, playing for new player, running games for new players has really been a fresh uh, perspective for me because, we, you know, meeting new players who are like, this is their first character, their first game, or some of them it's their first game that's been consistent and long running enough to like earn levels and <laughs> make choices about their character beyond first level. Um, so it's playing with uh, players like that who are, this is brand new, this is fresh, um, but they clearly have a different perspective and the like. Uh, is really informing a lot of where my head's at now on where I think D&D ought to go because, like I said, they're, they sometimes forget to add their proficiency bonus to attack. So a lot of the complexity I'm seeing in one D&D is like, eh, that's nice, but I think 5th edition has really gotten done well by being accessible uh, and having reduced complexity and, make, make, and still offering meaningful choices for players. So that, I think that's my final thought. Otherwise... We will definitely go past our time, <laughs> <laughs> which we I'm tend to do. I think I, I think Jim Jim just just demonstrated what it looks like to have high wisdom. Oh, hmm. yeah. there you go. There you go. You. I feel like it's it's similar to the old uh, idiom of uh, living in New England, which is probably the idiom of living anywhere, which is like if you don't like the weather, wait a day. And uh, yeah, if you don't like one D and D, wait for two D, right? Yep. Yeah, <laughs> they've got to change the name. I, I think we all agree they've I, got to change the name. Yeah, they can't call it one D and D. There's already an O D and D. They got it. It's got to be the number. Oh, that is it's, that's erasure. Thank you. It's already a one D. There's already an O D and D. It's an O D and D. There's a first edition. Don't do this. Don't do this to us. <laughs> we got this. One. We got this one. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. And then how many Dan. times has D&D been like, this is the last version. There will be no more D&D. We have made the <laughs> apogee of D&D. All of them? All of them? <laughs> See <laughs> Dan, any final uh, I, I, you know, I'm so uh, thankful for Jim uh, to make time with us today and uh, share his thoughts as, as uh, even more expert uh, you know, all of us, you know, enjoy picking the pieces that we enjoy from different editions. And, you know, Jim has dug into fifth edition more than I've gotten a chance to. So I really appreciate his uh, his insights on particularly how to deal with the choppy seas when they want to switch editions. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. yeah. Viewers, if you're looking for more information on uh, WebDM, there's plenty of links in our uh, YouTube uh, video description here. Uh, I'm sure <coughs> Dan is already. Uh, thinking about, or maybe already has edited the description to put in that link to uh, where you can back order the yep. upcoming uh, Wastelands. Um, <coughs> sorry, Weird Wastelands. And um, yeah, and leave us a comment uh, while you're there. Tell us uh, what uh, what your thoughts are on 1D&D or edition changes uh, or, or any of the stuff that we've covered today. We always appreciate hearing from you 
And you never know when that leads to the topic for a future discussion here on uh, Wandering DMs. Absolutely. And if you're new to the channel, remember you can uh, like, follow, subscribe to us. We're on YouTube and Twitch and Twitter and Facebook and GitHub and TikTok. And we have the handle Wandering DMs on all those sites. We'll look for this there and you'll see updates for upcoming shows and the next time Jim will be on. If you prefer to listen to our shows in audio-only podcast format, you can get those podcasts at our website at wanderingdms.com and through various podcast carriers such as Google Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify. If you are listening to the show right now on one of those other third-party carriers, please take a moment to rate and review us on their site. That helps other users of that site find us, and we really appreciate it. Uh, we really do. And of course, big thanks to our patrons who support the Wandering M show. Uh, we couldn't do what we do here every week and get great guests on like uh, Jim if we didn't have their support. So if you'd like to join them, please visit patreon.com slash wandering DMs. And like Paul said at the top of the show, uh, after every Sunday episode, we get together on our Discord server with our patrons and continue <laughs> the chat for another hour or so. And people have great uh, observations as we do it. Probably one of our favorite parts of the week. So uh, we hope that we'll see you there in about 10 minutes. Now today, Paul, I think you have to take off to another event. Is that right? I, I do, unfortunately. I, I will not be in the after party chat today, but I will uh, look forward to hearing from you all next week. Awesome. And of course, um, uh, look for other upcoming shows this week. I'll be back uh, tomorrow night, Monday night at 11 for more Pool of Radiance. Now, I, di I didn't die last time, just to be perfectly clear, right? <laughs> so for the first time in a month, I actually did survive and I cleared out the Temple of Bane finally. So I'm on a streak and I'm confident and I'm really sure now I figured out this game. So that's happening Monday at 11. And then I'll be back with uh, Dan Cullinan on Thursday for more Book of War D&D Wargaming action here uh, with uh, more of the most dangerous game, Dan versus Dan, more of that on Thursday. So I hope you'll join uh, for some Wargame action uh, then. So, um, uh, Jim, thank you immensely. And, uh, you know, best wishes to you and WebDM and Emma and Pruitt. And we're all uh, looking forward to when you can get Weird Wastelands out. Me too. I can't wait to give it to everybody. I can't wait to, for everybody to see it. It's going to be great. It's good to be on. Thanks, guys. Awesome. <laughs> That's the best. So don't forget, we are live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. So we hope that you'll join us again next week for another thought-provoking discussion. We'll see you then. Bye, everyone.